Welcome back, Buck Bros. It is a good week to be a Bucks fan, and I'm excited to join you guys back on the podcast. 1-0, the Bucks pull it out against the Vikings in Minnesota. We've got a lot to go over on today's podcast, so without further ado, let me welcome my fellow podcasters, my Buck Bros, Zach, John, and Brace. Guys, we're going to break down everything from week one. And we're heading into week two, but let's first get to the review of game one. The Bucks, in what many would call an upset, pull out the victory 20-17 to 17 against the Vikings. Guys, how are you feeling after going 1-0, starting with the victory Monday? Hey, broadcasters. Well, I mean, obviously, starting off 1-0 is just as much as anybody could hope for on any team. Uh, so it's been... It was really, I think you put it right. It was an upset, Ryan. Um, but, you know, it reminded me a lot. This game reminded me a lot of kind of those old Bucks, you know, late 90s, 2000. Now, I'm not saying it's that elite of a defense, but where we're not going to score a lot, but the defense is going to get some turnovers, going to create some havoc. Um, we're not going to shoot ourselves in the foot. I don't think we had any turnovers in this game. And honestly, like, I – you know, besides the first half, where obviously the, it looked like our offense was struggling a lot, a lot of special, you know, blitz packages from Brian Flores' defense kind of really gave us trouble there. Baker looked uncomfortable for, you know, the first half until that two-minute uh, drive where we were able to throw it over the top to Evans. But then we settled in, and it was kind of the opposite, right? Like, the defense started hot in the first quarter, really set up good field position for us to take that 3 nothing lead. But then the Vikings started moving the ball as we were kind of sitting a little bit more in zone. Uh, they started getting some more momentum, but then they shot themselves in the foot. Turnover, the, you know, that fumble on the 20-yard line in the fumbled exchange, um, a pick right at the you know, goal line. Um, you know, it was really uh, <laughs> one of those games where it was nice to see that we weren't the ones that were, you know, making the bad play or not being able to finish drives. Um, so I, all I around, I think it was a really good first win. Time out. I, yeah. Saying the Vikings shot themselves in the foot is doing a disservice to that defense. Those strip sacks, those fumbles, that interception, that wasn't the Vikings shooting themselves in the foot. That was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense going out there and commanding that game. I don't I I, I appreciate what you're saying. I just I don't like calling it shooting themselves in the foot. That that interception on the goal line from Kirk Cousins that Eason got. That's not that's not a throwing into bad coverage. That was just a dominant. It, that play had to happen exactly as it happened, or that would have been a touchdown. This game maybe goes the other way. We I'm took not it saying away. the defense didn't make plays, but come on, we gave up 138 yards to Justin Jefferson in one half. They were Who moving the ball on us pretty much at will um, for quite some time after the first quarter. Um, but, yes, I, I will give credit to the defense and the fact that they made those plays, right? We got the turnovers. We won the turnover battle. Um, so it was good to see that all of our keys to the game, outside of being able to run the ball, we succeeded in. I mean, I don't disagree. I, I, I think it's crazy, though, that you – I don't know, man. They, the, the Bucks defense is what surprised me, stunned me. Where were they? Where was this defense last season? Where has this defense been hiding – 
what has Todd Bowles been doing other than coaching like this? They looked great. They looked phenomenal in every aspect. I even the special teams look good, which is something we've looked terrible at for a long time. I, that was a great game. I I get why people want to call it an upset, but weren't both these teams in the wild card round last year? Didn't didn't were, both these teams didn't both the these both teams go the, Yeah, but didn't both <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Didn't both these teams go to the playoffs last year? Haven't we been in the playoffs the last three seasons in a row? Did we just come off winning a Super Bowl a couple seasons ago? Most of that team is still here. Most of those players are still here. I'm I the amount of disrespect we've been getting is has been has been stomach aching because we have been in it for quite some time. And we're about to set a franchise record if we can go back to the playoffs. That'll be a franchise record on consecutive appearances. This is this team is not as bad, and I think we showed that as as everyone has expected us to be. A bottom three team. We were what the second largest underdog in the NFL going into this weekend. That's outrageous. Outrageous. And we proved it. Uh yeah, I think the Rams were the only bigger underdog to win, right? Like we're the second biggest upset. Yeah. Uh, so for me, what impressed me, I mean, obviously the defense is much improved. I think it shows you what health looks like on a defense up front, especially, uh, there's still questions to Bryce's point at like the top end of the secondary, like safety looks to be a weakness still. Jefferson was definitely getting loose, but if that pass rush is going to get home, that's a natural mitigant for that. I think that'll help a lot. So I was very impressed up front with what we saw. I thought I was disappointed in the fact that um we're already behind the eight ball in like pursuit of caleb williams because we won week one like that puts you in terrible position if you're trying to draft a quarterback high so from that perspective i was not impressed i was disappointed but the defense looked great i think baker the second half really started to warm up his his throwing motion is gross unless he's sidearming it that looked cool that trey palmer tutty was nice but just like day-to-day throwing, like his normal go-to mechanic is ugly to watch. But he extends plays. He obviously gives you something that Trask wouldn't. There are a lot of plays when we were watching that we thought Trask isn't doing that. Like Trask is going down there. And you're just, you're eating whatever the yards are at that point. So I was impressed with Baker, impressed with the defense, disappointed about the gap now between us and the, you know, top pick in the draft. Yeah, I got to say, you know, for my feelings on the game, the defense, it looked like a Todd Bowles defense, kind of headhunty. You know, three turnovers are no mistake to John's point. W- one of them was, the first one was, I think, but the last two, the force by Winfield and definitely the pick by Izzy and were forced turnovers. Um, So I was impressed with the defense the whole game. I thought they played a very good game. Uh, the offense was very not impressive to me in the first half, but they did enough in the second half um, and the way to shut what I was really impressed by in the offenses side was the play calling towards the end of the game um, to kind of not let Kirk cousins and, and company get a chance to seal the game that third and 10 out to Godwin's a pretty ballsy call when the other team has no timeouts and uh, was going for the throat. Yeah, it was a gutsy performance. And to your point, like, when the Bucks had to make a play, they made the play in this game. You know, a 57-yard field goal to take the lead. Carlton Davis bats down what looked like a for-sure convert first-down conversion, 
on third and eight to, you know, three and out so we can get the ball back. Uh, Baker Mayfield put his head down to pick up that fourth and two uh, to keep the chains moving. And yes, last but not least, you know, Godwin made a pretty awesome catch there on third and 10 to seal the game. So all in all, just really gritty performance from this team. I think Baker won the locker room on that fourth and two. That was that the whole sideline, the defense on the sideline looked fired up. The Vita was like on the field getting hyped up over that. That was a cool moment to see. And then it, you definitely can't mention like the McLaughlin performance enough, right? Like those kicks that is historically a pain point for this franchise. So see a guy go like casually at a 57 yarders. Very nice to see. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I see him, you know, Bulls trots out the field goal unit there. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go again, right? Fourth and three. We're not going to try to pick this up to, you know, get the win. But I was wrong. <laughs> he made that kick, and it was a pleasant sight to see. Yeah, you got to hand it to you. you know, I, was, I was thinking that too, Price. Um, in that moment, I was kind of against going for a field goal. It had been a pain point, but... Bulls seems to have a pulse on the team. And if anybody saw the locker room speech at the end of the game, uh, Bulls was pretty fired up and the team was too. It seems like the team's responding pretty well to whatever the locker room's got going on. And this first win was just an indication of that. So I want to do something before we switch to our next topic. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a, a little bit of a game to kind of cap off game one. We're going to call it by the numbers here. I've got three numbers that are going to describe a certain facet of the game. It could be whatever it is. Um, could describe an offensive or defensive stat. It could be a historical figure. Something that has come out of game one. So we're going to start pretty easy. Uh, the first number I have for you guys is three. Turnovers forced? That's exactly right. Uh -huh, three turnovers. Three turnovers all coming from the first half. The Bucks forced them. A positive three on the turnover differential. Um, one of our keys to the game definitely helped us win that. All right, the next number I've got for you guys is 80.8. Baker's QBR? You're close, John. It's going to be embarrassing if it's Kirk's QBR. It is a Baker stat, but not as QBR. Oh, okay, good. Yards can't, on the be complete, no, can't be completion <laughs> percentage. <laughs> well, see, like three for 12 in the first half. <laughs> no, his completion percentage was like 61.8, I think. That's, that's impressive after that. Baker stat at 80.8. Think uh, on a scale of 100. What's on a scale of 100? It comes out with annual ratings. Owned by Chris Collinsworth. Oh, his oh. PFF grade? His PFF, his PFF grade? PFF grade, yes. 80.8. Also, the highest PFF grade on the offensive side of the ball. So, Baker, according to PFF, best offensive player for the Bucks coming out of week one. <laughs> Told you. Well, I'll be damned. For real. And then the final one I've got for you guys, just to wrap up game one, nine. Nine is the number. Third down conversions? No, this one's a little tricky. Oof. Nine. Just throw out your best guesses. <laughs> Anything that comes out. 
I'll give you Hint. guys 10 more nine, seconds. <laughs> not nine yards to Justin Jefferson in the second half. Uh, that would have been a good one. No. Um, not nine the, targets? Nine different targets on the team? No, this was more roster composition. We played, according to PFF, nine rookies in game Ooh. one. Nine That's rookies got offense, offensive or defensive snaps. So very young team coming in for the Bucks, And a lot of those rookies made a lot of contributions. Christian Izzian with his pick before the half. Mike Cansey got the start. Cody Mock played 68 offensive snaps, played every offensive snap. So, um, and don't be don't be forgetting about my boy Trey Palmer there. And Trey Palmer getting a touchdown in his first game, continuing his streak there from the preseason. So, yeah, off uh, rookies making a huge contribution, and that's going to wrap it up game one. So thanks for playing, guys, by the numbers. And now let's get to our next segment. I know we're mostly focused on the Bucks, but it's week one, and the NFL is back. So I wanted to get your guys' pulse around the league. What's interest you? What's the number one topic you want to talk about outside of Buckball for week one, welcoming the NFL back into our lives? Why don't we, uh, John, why don't you give me what you want? What was your week one takeaway? My week one takeaway is whoever does the scheduling for the primetime games should be fired. That was the most boring Sunday night football <laughs> matchup I have seen in years. 40 to nothing, the Dallas Cowboys over the New York Giants. 40 to nothing without a single passing touchdown in the entire game, unless you count pick sixes. There wasn't a single passing touchdown. And not only that, but it it's going to allow Cowboys fans and the Cowboys organization to pretend for another week like they're not garbage. That's the biggest disservice that the Giants did to us as football fans is they got to hush all of the quarterback controversy, all of the issues surrounding their team. I don't know what the Giants were doing, but they should fire everybody top to bottom. They just gave Daniel J- Jones one of the biggest contracts in the league. They went out there and put up zero points. It's just absolutely embarrassing. But the thing that killed me was after a great day of football, I wake up at 10 a.m. for the first kickoff for the Bucks game, watch games all day. I had to find something else to watch last night. I, w- I was watching men's tennis highlights because I couldn't get a single good piece of football to watch. It was terrible. That was better primetime matchups is what I want. All right, let's go to um, our next buck, bro. What did you think about the Dolphins and Chargers, Zach? Kind of the opposite of that game. This was like the most electric game, I think, all weekend. Uh, I mean, my takeaway is shootouts are fun. Uh, Points are fun. Tua looked really good. Tyreek looked really good. I mean, everybody, Herbert, up until the very end, looked really good. Uh, it was just, that's the kind of game that makes you realize, like, football's back. Like, we're going to have electric games, late finishes, throws. You don't know how it falls into Tyreek's hands like that with a defender draped all over him, but it's just like a drop in the bucket. It was beautiful. Love watching that game. Hard to watch Tua sometimes because he's left-handed, but it was great to see him ball out. I think he got the sense knocked into him last year. Maybe, you know, it's now he's good to go. He got all the concussions out of the way and now it's just all gas, no breaks. But I thought it was easily the best game, a ton of fun. Tyreek says he wants to get to 2K yards this season, starting out with 215 or whatever is a great way to, to get that campaign going. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 
if you watched it, you know uh, how how much fun that game was. It was easily the most entertaining thing on Sunday. Oh, totally agree. That one was so much fun, and Tyreek was a monster all game. 250 Tyreke yards. definitely saved my fantasy game. Now, well, from monster performances to monster teams, Bryce, what's the scoop in the NFC? San Fran and Dallas looking pretty scary from their games in week one. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the two, most two impressive um, performances of the week go to San Francisco and Dallas. So much like you, John, you know, I had a really good time yesterday going out and watching the games. I was pumped. I was ready. Beginning of the season, everybody was there. Crowd was live at Graffiti Junction. DJ was popping up. You know, everything you wanted, right? And sure enough, the game started. You got some Steelers fans in there having big hope. I'm sitting next to a particular 49ers fan who won't shut up about how good his team is going to be this year. And, you know, the game started going on. And guess what? I mean, the Niners just came out blitzing, and they really made life hell for Kenny Pickett and that team. And one guy in particular in the bar who had $800 riding on the Steelers, uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to pay his mortgage now today because that did not go well for him. So, But let's get back to the point on topic, right? I mean, the 49ers, I think we knew going into this year that they were going to be a very strong, very complete team, and they did nothing – to show that they were going to be one of the Super Bowl contending favorites in the NFC. And then I think we knew Dallas was going to have a really strong defense this year. Now, again, John pointed out, I mean, what a crappy game that was playing. the. I mean, the Giants just looked absolutely atrocious. So I will say that I still think San Francisco, and I can't believe I'm saying this, is probably the most complete team in the NFC and likely to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. But Dallas has got, you know, people thinking, and I mean, that defense is legit. They come at you. They come at you hard. I really don't know how you would be able to protect, you know, you got a double team Parsons um, and they've got a, you know, just a line full of playmakers and they're going to get after the quarterback this year. They're going to make life hell for many quarterbacks this year. I'm glad we only have to play one of these teams uh, on this schedule. So it'll be interesting to see how these teams go and who's really, the, you know, the elite of the NFC going forward. It's like we're back in the eighties, nineties, San Francisco, Dallas. Come on now. Bro. He would not shut up about how good San Francisco all effing day. I had I to can, hear about it. I can only imagine what luckily we get to tell that 49er fan that his team lost the Super Bowl. He got to be there for it. And uh, we got to be for our Super Bowl win the next year. That was great. Um, so much to your point, my around the league topic is going to be actually a little more contained. And this time in the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons and Carolina Panthers faced off against each other in a division matchup. And the Saints took on the Titans. Um, unfortunately for the Bucks, probably the worst case scenario happened um, in which you knew one of Carolina and Atlanta was going to win. You were hoping the Saints would lose, but they ended up squeaking out a one point victory, 16 to 15 over Tennessee. Um, just looking over them, the Saints seem to make a lot of mistakes. I'm pretty sure they fumbled the opening kickoff against the Tennessee Titans. Um, so it seems like that team has a lot of mistakes to clean up. Derek Carr's tenure there doesn't start off great, but they get a win. Uh, and over in the Atlanta-Carolina game, I'm sure Carolina's still figuring things out with the new head coach, new starting quarterback, and Bryce Young. 
Atlanta looks pretty solid, at least in the running back department. Bijan Robinson and uh, Algier both had pretty solid games against Carolina. So they may be the front runners for the competition we'll be facing in the NFC South going forward. But it's only week one, so Bucks right in the NFC South race right now. Well, guys, it's going to wrap it up for our Around the League, but... Before we transition into our game preview, we obviously want to go through one of our favorite segments, What the Buck Bro. Again, new this season, we're going around and asking, what is the biggest screw-up of week one from our Buck Bros? Well, we're going to start off with a great blunder here. Uh, Zach, Joe Shiesty, What the Buck Bro? Yeah, nothing like uh, signing a contract to become the highest paid player in the history of the NFL and then going out and having a historically poor performance. Joe Burrow didn't even break 100 yards passing, under 50% completions. He was completion percentage. He was getting harassed the entire time. He looked terrible. The team looked terrible, but he particularly looked uh it looked like he didn't play all preseason, which of course he didn't. Um it was so bad at one point Miles Garrett was standing in front of the line uh, practicing his crossover before blitzing. That's how, how pathetic the Bengals looked. And I mean, it starts with the highest paid player, I'd say, at, at quarterback. So definitely a what the buck, bro, for uh, Joey Burr, Joe Shiesty. It's uh, not a great start. Fantasy owners in shambles, myself included. Terrible fantasy performance from one of the top picks. John, I'm going to shift it over to you. What the buck, bro, from one LSU legend to another. What do you have about Devin White? I, this is what I have about Devin White. All right, this one really grinds my gears. Where was this play before? Where was this play last season? Where was this play when you were getting blown up and Warren Sapp was calling you out on Instagram? You looked amazing on Sunday. You looked like a star. You made everyone around you look better. You didn't miss tackles. You didn't take plays off. You didn't phone it in not one time. And you wonder why you don't – this is why you don't have a contract right now. It's because you couldn't play like this before. Who are you showing off for? You – oh, I hate that. I hate knowing players – would be one thing if he just sucked or if he was just mediocre. You know that. But when he plays like this, you know that he's taking, he's taking plays off. So when he is getting beat, you know he's not trying. And that's what hurts the most is that we knew you weren't trying. You weren't putting in the effort. Because this is what it looks like when you do. And that's the problem that I have and why I still think he needs to go. Because even playing like this, he's shown you that he's not willing to put in the effort 100% of the time. And that bothers me. Yeah, you're Devin White. Devin White actually graded really well on PFF. He had like a 90.7 or something. He usually sucks in his PFF grades. So Yeah, I think it's the highest PFF grade he's graded out on in his career maybe for the regular season yeah pff has historically hated his gameplay so the fact that he got a 90.7 i points to I him mean, doing something right maybe, maybe by far his best release. game in coverage like that i've ever seen you know like not over pursuing plays being able to know his assignments and yeah john to your point i mean where was this play last year because you know if he's capable of doing this all season He's absolutely an all-pro type. If, if he plays like this every game, give the man the money. But if he's going to start shirking his responsibilities again, kick him out the door. 
foot in the ass because he didn't even want to play with us. He wanted to hold out for a trade. He wanted all this other stuff. If you had played like this, son, you'd have gotten it. You'd be where you want to be right now. He only has himself to blame. I agree. What the fuck, bro? Yeah, horse riding mother. (laughs) Well, from Devin White skipping plays to players skipping entire games, Bryce, who's missing NFL Sundays when they're suiting up? Yeah, you know, for this segment, I was really tempted to go with Sean Payton and that ridiculous onside, you know, kick decision to start the game. But, you know, if the guy that just waited a half a second, that actually probably turns out, you know, to be, a, you know, it works for the, in their favor, right? Uh, but I'm going to go with a particular receiver on my fantasy roster who, you know, posted an absolute great number of 0.00 in fantasy this year, this week. Actually, he had one less reception than the quarterback of his own team did in the game, and that would be Mr. Drake London. I had big expectations for this guy. I drafted him within the first five rounds, thinking he was going to be the top legitimate threat for that new and improved Atlanta Falcons offense. I thought they were going to you know, target him at least 10 to 15 times in this game. But what the fuck do I know? Because he was nowhere to be found. Drake London, where you at, homeboy? I need to see some major improvements going forward during this season. That's the number one wide receiver in the NFC South. Zach can attest. Drake London. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I feel like fantasy was so hit or miss. Joe Burrow, Drake London, not a whole lot. Dallas Goddard got me zero. Come on now. My wife started both Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algiers. Okay, she put up 40 points in me just a running back section. <laughs> both, both on the same team. Both on the same team. <laughs> that's ballsy. Way to hedge your bets there, Kirsten. I was like, that's ballsy by Kirsten. Nice. Uh, I, I got to speak for my own what the buck, bro. Um, I didn't watch the game, but I did watch this moment where – it's Philly, Pittsburgh. I'm going to set the scene for you. It's fourth and two. Philly is up five, okay? And they have the ball around midfield. And with two minutes left and no timeouts, they decide to go for it. And I, and I mean no timeouts with New England. They decide to go for it from midfield. Don't pick it up. And they give New England half a field instead of punting it and giving them a whole field with no timeouts, less than two minutes left. I. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Sirianni, what are you doing? You've got a great defense. Your defense scored this game. Um, what the fuck? I mean, honestly, I thought that decision was just ridiculous. It ended up working out for them, but he made it a lot more nail-biting than it needed to be. Well, we look to our next game against the Bears. This is our home opener, our season home opener. Um, and the Bears come in at 1-1 coming off a loss against Green Bay and Jordan Love, 38-20. to Guys, when we look towards the Bears game, they have Justin Fields as a weapon, but they may not seem as the most elite competitor in our schedule. When you look at this game, what are you guys looking for the Bucks to take advantage of, exploit on the Bears side, come out with a win? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know why the Bears were getting so much hype this year. Uh, I know Justin Fields, you know, he's a very talented, very athletic quarterback, but he was also the quarterback to the worst team in the league last year. 
I don't think they've done anything to show that they're still not the worst team in the league. Um, so I think the key to the game is kind of what it was last week. I mean, be able to create turnovers off of pressure, which I think we'll be able to do. Um, don't turn the ball over, you know, be able to run effectively. Really just don't take this team lightly. I know they're not a they're they're a bad team, but it's you know, it's the NFL, any given Sunday, right? So you're coming off a good win. That's great. Keep it going. Get focused. Take the take this team like they're gonna be a challenge, right? And come out and let's, you know, start off two and zero with one win at home. Bryce's Bryce has got it nailed. Justin Fields was their leading rusher, in addition to also being their quarterback. We showed that we still have that elite run stopping defense. If we can shut them down and we can contain him and force Justin Fields to try to beat us with his arm, he doesn't have the targets available. He doesn't have the weapons available to him like a Justin Jefferson to really expose us. I think if we play solid, conservative, straightforward football and we don't let this game get to our heads, I think Bryce is absolutely right. We don't let uh, we don't look past this game to the Eagles. If we take this seriously, we should be able to grind out a win comfortably in this situation. I don't want to say we're going to blow them out. I think we have a habit of letting teams come back against us. We have a habit of playing down to our opponents. This is a situation where I really hope we watch what we're doing. We make as few mistakes as possible. If we make less mistakes, they can't beat us. They're not, they're not just going to come out and dominate us. They're not that kind of team. We will have to make mistakes to keep them in the game. And I just don't foresee that being something that we do. Yeah. I, I think uh, the, the blueprint is, well, it's there, right. To see how to beat this team. Cause the Packers did it pretty, pretty easily. Um, it is nice. You know, when we looked at the preseason, how, you know, the Bucks were one of the few teams that were favored in zero of their matchups how quickly that can change as we're now favored in this game just after one week's performance. The the Bears um, <clears throat> on offense, they're very limited. Uh, they did not have a good ground game aside from fields. I, by and far, like he's definitely the, the best rusher they have. Like it's not, you know, not even close. But even their passing game, save for a, a couple of late plays, Obviously, like the late touchdown to Mooney was a, a longer strike. For the most part, their offense is a lot of short passes, a lot of screens. They're not really pushing the ball downfield a lot. And it looks at times like Fields is being told not to run. Even though he had 60 yards rushing, it looks like they're wanting him to pass and they're giving him short options to make quick decisions. And it just, they have a very flat offense. I think if you can pressure, I think we'll force mistakes. He had a pick and a fumble. He's prone to it. If we have the same kind of pass rush we had against Minnesota, against Fields, I, I think it'll be promising. With the the always there asterisk for the Bucks of mobile quarterbacks is finding a way to contain them when they break contain. So hopefully there's a good spy set up because he's probably going to get flushed. So the key is do what he did last week, but just account for him because he's obviously an X factor. Defensively, the Bears didn't look great. Jordan Love... Like his stat line looked great, but if you watched the the play, he made a lot of mistakes, especially in the first half. I think he fumbled the ball and just picked it up. No one was there to pick it up. So, I mean, defensively, the Bears shouldn't be too worrying for us if we can just do what we did. You know, I think we've we've set up a good blueprint that works well in this matchup, as long as we account for fields and his mobility. 
Yeah, I was going to say I, I, the blueprint going into Chicago should be kind of similar to what we did in Minnesota. Force mistakes, force turnovers, and don't make any yourself. I think everybody summed it up perfect. Contain Justin Fields. Um, and on offense, again, just don't make anything. Don't force anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep a hold of the ball. Uh, I, I kind of like our chances of, of coming out there and, and getting the W. Yeah, outside of Kadarius Tony, I don't know if there's another receiver that's had a, a you know worse um, start to his season than uh, Kevin or sorry Chase Claypool. Yeah, he, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but he got blown up by I think Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football. He didn't name him, but I think everybody knew. And then there was uh, about a you know. 50 second clip of you know his place in that game and not good so uh that's one probably you know playmaker quote unquote that we won't really have to um worry about in this game but again like i said don't take them lightly and even dj moore was kept in check and that's the guy obviously we have a history of worrying about dj moore and he had two grabs for 25 yards so he was reined in as well yes but to Bryce's point, he can have the ability to go off. So make sure you're game planning effectively for DJ Moore. Um, even Darnell Mooney has the ability to uh, take the top end off. So uh, let's make sure we're ready to face the Bears as Bryce is tending. But let's also make sure that the Buck Bros are ready to pick their fantasy picks for week two. So Buck Bros, if you're listening to us, Right now, we did. We are recording this on Monday, and Monday Night Football is happening while we're recording this, so we don't have any updates right now in week one. We hope that you guys come and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, where we'll be posting our season tracker for our fantasy. We'll be posting who won their matchups and what the point totals were, so follow us along there if you guys are interested in understanding what's going on on our fantasy tracker. But guys, for week two... Let's get to drafting our players for Buckbro Fantasy Football. All right. I believe I am first this week. I'm last. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be me and then Bryce, then Ryan and then Zach. Yeah, we'll snake back around. So I am taking a Bucks player, right? With my first pick here. Bucks first. Um, I need, I, I, I truly have a belief that Chris Godwin. This is going to be a big game for him because it's it's tailor-made for a guy like him where he's a weapon where he can take screens, he can catch short routes, and gets a lot of yards after the catch. But something I expect him to do this week is find the end zone. My man wants touchdowns. That's what he likes to do. He He's a baller, and, and I believe in Chris Godwin. I think he's the best weapon we have right now on the offense. I'm going Chris Godwin as my Bucks fancy player of the week. Yeah, solid pick, solid pick. But, you know, I'm going to go with a guy that we didn't take in our first episode and a man who has scored 82 touchdowns in his prolific Tampa Bay career, and that would be Mike Effin Evans. I would take in him. He's the man. I think he's going to have another big game, with you know, against that Chicago defense. I think, you know, Baker's going to throw up to him a couple times, take a couple deep shots. They're going to convert. He's going to have a tutty. I like where I like where he's at. 
Yeah, it's a great pick, Brace. Uh, Evans, safely on my bench with 18.6 points on week one. Uh, had a great game. I'm going to go with somebody we did pick, and it was actually our first overall pick last week. I'm going to take Rashad White. Not the most stellar of games of week one, but obviously going to be a feature back, going to be getting a lot of volume carries. So hoping Rashad White can bust one. Maybe, like John said, find the end zone this week. Rashad White. All right. Uh, to round it out, the Bears made a average quarterback look above average last week. So I'm hoping they can do the same. I will take Baker Mayfield. Oh, uh, pick. big pick. I love it. I love it. Oh, that warms my heart. Oh, and I'm back at it again. Okay. Arguably the best performer of week one. I'll, I'll take Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's a big one. So I, I think we implemented you cannot take um, players you've previously picked. So Justin yeah, no Jefferson repeats. off the board no repeats. for me. Yeah. For so, the rest of the NFL. So, so let me – I want to pick this right. Uh, we could do it like Survivor style, where once someone has chosen him, no one can choose. Him. No one, yeah, I kind of like that too. Because yeah, I, I kind of, I'm a big, I'm a big supporter. Let's do that. Of that, what? Not yeah. on the Bucks side, so you're the obviously. The only one who gets to pick Tyreek Hill. <laughs> yep. Sorry. I don't know about that. Yep, Week two, baby. We make the rules up as we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, real cool. Yeah, oh, just, yeah, let's just, make up that rule as soon as I take the biggest fantasy player from week one off the board. Okay, cool. Right, so Jesse Jones, like I know, Ryan. Yeah, he had Sorry, the number one overall that's pick. That's the number one overall pick. What do you want me to pick? Yeah, they're going against the Bucks. Come on, uh, uh, Bryce. Bryce, I'll give you a tip don't take Joe Burrow. Yeah, I, have, yeah, I won't. Don't worry. Oh, geez. All right, well, now I gotta think. Um, you know what? He had a good game this week. I think it's going to continue. Give me Calvin Ridley. He had a great week. Oh, one. yeah. He really did. All right. So now that we just changed rules all of a sudden, let me see real quick. A certain particular quarterback is playing next week. You know what? I don't know if it's too early, but now you got to start taking all the, the good ones. So uh, I don't know if anyone took Mahomes last week. I don't think they did. So give me a bounce back performance for Patrick Mahomes against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Kadarius Tony will, you know, use some stick'em on his gloves this year. This uh just need Kelsey yeah. to get that knee in order and you'll be fine. <laughs> just need yeah if Kelsey can start, I'm in good shape. Yeah. Well, well, well. Um yeah Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes really scared me this week because he is my quarterback in fantasy. Um and I have Travis Kelsey as well who didn't play so it was a tough week for me. I'm going to go with, oh, you know what I want? I want the kid that uh, quarterbacks for the Lions, Jared Goff. Goff. Okay. Give me Jared Goff against the Seahawks um, in Detroit. You know what? The, the There's a lot of love over there for the Lions right now. They're really feeling themselves. And uh, I, I like him. I, I watched that game. I thought they looked fun. That Yeah, I'm taking Jared Goff. All right, I typed it. He's biting kneecaps. All right. That's right. <laughs> Great <laughs> picks, everyone. Ah, nice. And we'll see how that shapes up. Again, Buck Bros, make sure you're following us along on social media, tracking our fantasy updates. We'll have the week ones out for At you. Buck Bros TB for Instagram for all you listeners. Thank you, Bryce. Again, at Buck Bros TB, you can find us. 
Bryce, do you know when we're going to be posting our Fantasy Tracker updates? Yeah, so Fantasy Tracker updates will come out on Wednesdays. Um, then, you know, we're going to talk about our weekly trivia here in just a second. Those will come out on, you know, on the social media platforms on Tuesdays. Um, and then look for some other, you know, crickets here and there throughout the week. Perfect. All right. Wednesdays for the Fantasy Tracker. And thanks for the plug-in Tuesdays. Trivia questions, Buck Bros. John, we got one for week two now. What you know, bro? What's our trivia question for the week? This week's trivia question is, when was the last season the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat each of the NFC North teams in a single season? That would be beating the Minnesota Vikings, the Detroit Lions, the Chicago Bears, and the Green Bay Packers all in the same season. Put your answers up on Instagram, on Twitter. We will be picking a winner at random from those that submit the correct answer. And we will have a prize for you all next week. This week's prize, a $20 Starbucks gift card to the listener who comes up with the correct answer. And we will give that away on next week's episode. We will announce the winner. Listen in and then follow up with us. Send us a message. I'll get that out to you. And uh, no friends or family of the show we're looking for a real listener i know we had uh several listeners in europe last week and this past episode we did have several listeners in toronto which was very interesting um so look out for us um maybe i'll get you a a tim hortons card for those canadians up there and uh that is this week's trivia awesome thank you john it's kind of cool to know that there are buck bros worldwide out there we appreciate you guys listening wherever you're listening to make sure you're tuning in again at buck bros tb to follow along with trivia and all the good stuff also following along with our college tracker caleb williams i hear having a day in week two zach what do you got for our caleb williams tracker well, it is week two, uh, but fortunately for us, Caleb Williams played in week zero, so we have three games worth of stats to track. Uh, thus far this season, Caleb, uh, with a modest 78% completion percentage, 878 yards, 12 tutties through the air, uh, he's also rushed for a tutty. This last week, he played Stanford, first uh, Pac-12 matchup of the season, and he absolutely dominated. Uh, it was his best game yet this season, 19 of 21 for 281 yards, three touchdowns, zero sacks, a long of 75. Uh, and he also had a 21-yard touchdown run as well. So just pure dominance from Caleb Williams. Expect nothing less. You must be ecstatic to be that much further away from a genuine prospect like Caleb Williams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, someone's yeah. going to get a good one. Going to be real far away uh, based on the results of this past week. Thank God there's 17 games. Let's see if we can get closer. <laughs> 16 more wins to go. You're right. Ooh, better, yeah. bigger. But yes, it has only been one week, but the Bucks are off 1-0. and Ship is sailing, and we've got the wind against our sails. Buck Bros, we're going to be following along again all season, so make sure you're keeping up with us both on our social media and on the podcast. We hope you guys are having as much fun with the start of the NFL season as we're having. We'll see you guys for next week. As we like to sign off, go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Minus two and a half. We are favorites. The
first time this season. If y'all would like to go back to an earlier episode in this season, back towards the, the draft, I did tell you that there was no chance Aaron Rodgers finishes this season. I put it out here. It was a Buck Bros announcement. I told the listeners, don't get hyped because there's no chance Aaron Rodgers finishes this season. He will not stay healthy. And uh, he made it one drive. So... I was like gonna say at this point he barely started the season. That's just right right he finished the drive. Like the drive was not done yeah. when he went <laughs> the second down and he was done. <laughs> what what folded first? Rogers ankle or tower seven? God Jesus Christ. It. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, which uh, 